You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's a Tuxedo Tuesday. On Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here, looking about as fancy as you'll ever see me. Really appreciate Suit Up for helping us out with that. Uh, we got a lot to get to today, and a lot of it is not great news, and I'm going to get very angry at some point in the next two hours. So bear with me. The man, the myth, the legend, the producer, co-host, extraordinaire, Mr. James Mesh. James, what's up, bud? It's Tuesday. We're finally done with the cuts. You're in a tuxedo. I am in a tuxedo. You look pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Jack is a lot better than yours. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, we know. We know. So, some some backstory. I'm I'm wearing the the plain black, and then if you're watching the simulcast at home, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber, James is rocking the nice paisley black suit. So, it was my idea to rock that jacket, but I'm a big guy. I wear a size 52 in a jacket. They stopped making the Paisley. It's size 50. So you, you, your boy just missed out by that much. But it's okay. Um, James knows that it would look better on me. That's not true. And so we just saved him the heartbreak. Of, That's not close to true. Of me not wearing it and just wearing wearing the normal black. But uh, So, again, a lot to get to today. Let's get started with it. The Saints have traded... Slot corner Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to the Philadelphia Eagles for a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. I mean, basically. Uh, fifth and sixth round draft pick, one in 2024, and then one in 2025. Uh, the fifth round pick coming in 2024, and then the Eagles have two sixth rounders in 2025. The Saints get the worst of the two. Oh, and then to sprinkle it all off, the Saints also threw in a seventh-round draft pick. Now, don't get me wrong. A seventh-round draft pick is quite literally nothing, except one at once every 10 years when you strike a gold mine. But, I mean, the Saints literally had to give up a player, and they had to throw in a pick to get the deal done. And all they got back were two day-three picks. Like, come on. Come on. I know. We, we had this conversation on this show a couple weeks ago. Slot corners aren't very valuable. I get it. They're not. That is a dying position in the NFL. However, the reports that I, were, that I have read, the Saints offered Chauncey Gardner-Johnson $8 million a year. He wanted twelve. I have two questions. Number one, you couldn't meet at 10? 10 million a year for four years? Because he wanted four years. So four for 40? 
Well, here's the other question. Why not pay him 12 and put him in the safety rotation? Because as much as we love Tyron Matthew, I love Tyron Matthew just as much as the next guy. He's 32 years old. His clock is ticking. Bradley Roby is a corner that is 31 years old. His clock is ticking too. Why not pay the man and put him in the rotation? Is he going to be out there every down? No, probably not. He's not going to be out there every down in Philly either. But when it comes down to it, a guy like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who brings a different level of swagger and energy to your locker room, not to mention produces on the field. In three years, the guy's had 165 tackles and three interceptions. Five sacks also, as a corner. The guy produces. Why not pay him? I mean, has Bradley Roby done so well for you that he has to be prioritized over Chauncey Garner-Johnson? I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm in the minority there, but I don't think so. Is P.J. Williams that great of a safety to where Chauncey Gardner-Johnson couldn't play there? Again, I might be wrong. I don't think so. I get, I've heard some people say, oh, well, they're preparing to pay Paulson to Debo. I, I get that. I really do. However, let's, let's be clear about something. Paulson to Debo has only played one year. I'm not wishing for this to happen, but Paulson Debo could walk out on the field this year and dud. We have no clue. We're talking about paying a guy who just finished his rookie year, and yes, it was above average, but I mean, Paulson Debo was not some elite rookie corner last year. And then, you know, I, I've heard some other people say, that, oh, it's because they believe so much in Elante Taylor. The guy hasn't played a down. He has not played a down outside of preseason football. And then don't even get me started on some of the guys that the Saints cut and then some of the guys that the Saints decided to keep. I mean, Kirk Merritt getting cut? You're kidding me. You have got to be joking. Chase Hansen, Nafay Sewell, John Bostic. Why did we cut four linebackers? And oh, here's a magical question. Here's a magical question. Two of them, actually. Same question, but for two different players. Why the hell did... um? Daniel Sorensen make the roster. He's old, slow, and not very good in a position that you need speed. And then secondly, Traquan Smith. That, that's another conversation. The man can't catch a cold, but he can block. 
So let's give him a roster spot. Okay, that makes sense. Kirk Merritt was a versatile guy that you could put out wide in the slot or at running back. And he picked up the playbook very quickly and played well for you in the preseason. Traquan Smith has been given chance after chance after chance and has not produced for you. You drafted him with a third-round pick. little history lesson about the New Orleans Saints. They like third-round picks. Third-round picks work out well for them. So they put a lot of value in that kid. And he has wet the bed ever since he's been here. The one good thing he's done was he was on the receiving end of the pass that Drew Brees broke the all-time passing yards record on. That's it. Is he a great blocker? Absolutely. That's not a reason you keep a receiver on the roster. And then going back to the linebackers, Chase Hansen played well for you all preseason. Nafei Sewell, same thing. John Bostic, you brought him in into the preseason, and what does he do for you? Produces. It doesn't make sense. And then going back to the main point of the argument, the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson trade, look, I, I get it. Business is business. You got to make decisions. You weren't agreeing on a contract. It's just contract year. He was threatening to hold out. You got to make a move. I understand that. I, I really do. My thing is, is there's a couple of guys on that roster that I would have rather traded and then paid Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. James, what's your two cents on all this? I mean, of course. I wanted to keep Chauncey as well. I didn't think that was necessarily going to be an issue. But I do remember that it's been a couple of weeks since he's been available to the media for questions. I remember that they have been in talks for a contract extension. This is his final year of his deal. So, as much as it pains me to say it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Would you have loved to have more come out of that trade? Of course. I mean, you did invest a third-round pick. You were hoping he's exceeded that third round. So, you were hoping to get a second. But you got to remember, final year of your deal, other teams know that you're trying to get a deal done. And the reason why we're having calls is because y'all haven't gotten a deal done. So also with the Saints, you kind of just have to take it because you're not going to release them and get them for nothing. You got to get them for some. No, and, and I, I get that. And I'm a firm believer in getting something for a guy before you just let him walk. But my thing is, if you were only $4 million apart, you couldn't compromise. This is the Saints all the time. You couldn't meet. Of course, it's easy for us to say, oh, I would have paid him 12. I would have paid him 13. We had had, the, we had this conversation before where we were talking about the contract. And yeah, you were saying you, you didn't say you wanted to pay him 12. You I'd have been okay with paying him 12, but I would have liked to get away with less. Of course, you always want to get away with less. But I'd have been okay with paying him 12. The Saints are so much more hard-ass than we are about the money. We're willing to pay him 12 because we like how he how good he is, but the Saints have a number. That's why we've seen so many people leave. That's why we saw Marcus Williams leave just but, recently. But you see, that that's the thing that bothers me. The Saints always have a number. But yet, every offseason, they pull some matrix-level wizardry to stay under. 
You know what a part of the reason is how they do that? It's because they have a number. You don't overpay every single person. I mean, I'm not saying you got to overpay every person, but guys like Chauncey Garner-Johnson, guys like Marcus Williams, you reach a little bit for those guys. You just do. Those are guys that you're going to struggle mightily to replicate. Now, granted, the Saints have done well replacing Marcus Williams. You bring in Marcus May, you bring in Tyron Matthew. You've done a good job of doing that. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I'm not just talking about from a on-the-field standpoint. I'm talking about a charisma, swagger, energy. I mean, when you think of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, what are the first two things that you think of? Of course, menace. But here's the thing. You talked about Alante Taylor. We're talking about other young people. Paulson and Debo. Paulson's gonna Paulson's a boundary corner, but how many good defensive backs do the Saints have? Lattimore, Matthew, May, Adebo. PJ Williams knows the system in and out. He's been here for five ever. Bradley Roby has shown a lot of improvement. You gotta get Alante Taylor on the field. If you have Chauncey, how are they gonna get on the field, get reps and and develop? I'm not a fan of Bradley Roby. I'm not a fan of PJ Williams. So they right right there. There you go. Put him on the field and place one of those guys. Bradley Roby has been average, slightly above average at best, his entire NFL career. He has done nothing special in the league. And again, agree with me or not, I would have much rather kept Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Let's go to the hotline, 706-0111. Jay's calling in. Jay, what's up? Uh, you mentioned you um, you talked about oh, him book's gonna make the roster, and I told you he's not gonna make the roster. He's gonna get cut. He's gonna go to the practice squad and they probably bring him back before the game starts, so they won't guarantee his contract. Well, what's your take on them cutting uh, him book? I mean, I'm sorry, not cutting him. Uh, release. I mean, I'm, I'm happy about it. You're happy about it? I am. I think it was a good move. I didn't see the okay. Saints doing it. But I'm in agreement with it. Johnson, you have to let him go, man. You know, uh, guy, guy easily can, uh, can become a malcontent in the locker room. Everyone's talking about this team can make a long run and, uh, you know, make the postseason. You don't need that. Yeah, I want him to get his money, but it's not, it's not, it wasn't going to happen with the same. It, it was not, you know. Um, yeah, I understand with you, but is that really intangible? Yeah, you know, he's a good guy, whatever. But I think we get caught up in the the the, the what he does on the field, you know, making people fight, getting, getting on people's nerves under their skin. Is that worth signing a player? No. You know, I just think it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but you have to – if you look at the history of the Saints, when it comes to guys like, you know, when they want their money, they usually get rid of them. People like Jamie Graham, Jerry Gallette. So that that is a, a you know there's always been a precedent when it comes to malcontents in the locker room and eventually I'm not saying the man is one but he could have he could become one in the near future and you have to get rid of that so he's gone um, I'm I'm not knocking the move now I wish they would have got something more out of it instead of a a, a fifth I think and a sixth a, but, fi- a fifth and the worst of their two sixths. Yeah, uh, everyone thinking, you know, when they got him, when they got him in the fourth, everyone was thinking maybe try to get another fourth for him, 
or third. But as you know, man, it, for them to throw in a pick, oh, they were trying to get rid of him, man. Like, let's just go. Get your money somewhere else. And, move, and uh, you know, good luck. And that's what that's what that's what uh, type of move they were. No, I mean, I, I, don't, and, uh, I don't disagree. And like, your, and like your co-host said, they have depth. You know, now, I, I think, this is my thing, man. You think they can go out? I'm going to hang up and hear your thoughts. I brought this up uh, on the morning show. You think they um, could go out to Tony Jefferson? Because I know a lot. There was uh, some confusion this morning with uh, Teron Matthew. A lot of people thought Matthew was coming at uh, Garner Johnson, but Matthew supposedly said, you know, allegedly, I was talking about Tony Jefferson, how he was released. And I think they played together in uh, Arizona. But like I said, I, um, I'm not I'm not upset with the move. I do understand why some Saints fans are. I do. But um, just don't pay, you don't pay all that money to a slot corner man, or slot slot uh, safety, slot DB. No. And all right, you have a good one. Thank you. Appreciate the call. So, yeah, so Tony Jefferson, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I wouldn't mind it. Of course not. I, I don't know as much about Tony Jefferson as maybe some others do. I, I'd probably have to ask a Ravens fan. We may have to get a Ravens person at some point, depending on depending on if they do make the move. You could move Tyron Matthew to slot. It would kind of, depending on how versatile he is, you wouldn't lose your versatility overall the defense because that's what was making everything so amazing with Matthew and May because both of them could be in the box. Both of them could be the high safety. You could run both of them at high, both of them, at, both of them in the box. You could put Tyron in the slot. Like, there's so much versatility. So it kind of depends on Jefferson. I had been saying for a while, I initially had said, only run two, have Taysom Hill as your emergency three. I had changed because I thought maybe the Saints liked Ian Book a little too much. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised to see that the Saints actually got rid of Ian Book. I didn't I'm not, that. I'm not mad at the move at all. If anything, that's what I wanted to begin with. I said, have four tight ends, which they have. Technically, Taysom is counting as a tight end but you're not always going to put them next to the tackle because you're going to want to split them out wide in space and right. get them the ball. That's the whole point. That's why you still keep Nick Vanette. I wasn't sure if they were going to do that. I should have just stuck with my initial thoughts. Yeah, I, I, I'm i fine with the, the two-quarterback thing because, like you said, you have Taysom Hill. You even have Jarvis Landry if you know all else fails. And because, I mean, every, every NFL team has an emergency quarterback. Outside of you know the quarterbacks listed on the depth chart, I don't know that I categorize Taysom Hill as an emergency QB. I mean, would you rather him be a QB? Let's let's say Winston and Dawn go down. Would you rather Taysom Hill or would you rather Jarvis Landry? Oh, in, in that sense, I'd rather Taysom. Yeah, that's what but, I'm saying. He's the emergency three. Where as it then it goes down the line, right? But but again, uh, I don't know. I don't know that I would categorize the third-string quarterback as the emergency QB. Well, at this point, you kind of have to. The emergency QB is the guy that you go, oh, blank, what do we do now? And that's where Jarvis Landry would come in because he, he has quarterback experience. Granted, it's high school quarterback experience, but it's still quarterback experience. At the end of the day, there's just – and and this is going to happen year in and year out. There's a lot of moves that I don't agree with. There's a lot of moves James doesn't agree with. It's, that's just the nature of the beast. We got a stacked show for you today. 
We'll take a timeout right here, and when we return, we will be joined by Miss Bailey Fox to promote the Olympics going down at Michael's in Broussard tomorrow night. 4.30, Ross Jackson will join us to talk all things New Orleans Saints. And then at 5.30, we're going to do To the Moon with Brian Lalima of Sports Radio 790 in Houston. Don't go anywhere. This is the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And we're back. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. 23-7 Lafayette, one oh four one in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 26 minutes after the hour. We are joined by Miss Bailey Fox to promote the Olympics happening at Michaels and Broussard tomorrow night. Bailey, thanks for taking the time. How are you? I'm nervous. How are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> So, you know, talk about this event tomorrow night. Talk about kind of the prep work and, you know, really from a from a strength perspective that goes into this. Wow. Okay. Um, so the strip, this is the 11th time that they've had this. I've been in the last four. If 2020 didn't happen, then I would have been in five. But... Um, it's just, it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. People come from different countries. People come from all over the United States to compete at this competition because it's just so well put together. It's a national, um, it's a nationally recognized award. And it's just like, and I don't even have words. I don't, it's, it's amazing. We practice all year. We like this this time right now people are already planning their next shows for next year and the people who want to compete in it are already putting their words in now it's just it's that good so for our listeners that might be interested in attending the event what can they expect the coolest circus you've ever seen in your life (laughs) 15 shows 15 pole routines 15 laugh dance routines and if you're in the crowd we are randomly selecting 15 um, audience members to be the furniture for the lap dance <laughs> so tomorrow night you know uh, i read that the the doors open at five show starts at seven yes. and it's twenty dollars at the door correct yes and get there early because we have a lot of already reserved tables so general seating is limited get the good seats so before we wrap up, just, you know, from from your perspective, you know, I know you talked about how there's really a year's worth of prep work that goes into this. But from your perspective, what have you, you know, kind of worked on to, to prepare yourself for tomorrow night? Well, I'm judging, so <laughs> I don't have to perform, but I, I know a lot of these girls are my friends and I can't be biased. I have to judge honestly. And everybody is going to try their best to wow the judges. So you really have to judge hard. You don't know what you're gonna see next. You have to be really strict. You can't be like, oh, she she winked at me and she was really nice. So I'm gonna give her a 10. Like they're doing backflips off the ceiling. Okay. Like, <laughs> right, right. Miss Bailey Fox, 
judge of the Michaels Olympics tomorrow night at Michaels here in Broussard. Bailey, really appreciate you taking the time, Thank and you, you guys enjoy tomorrow night. Yes, have fun. And when it comes to FanDuel and you want to get ready for game day, FanDuel Sportsbook is your place to do it. Right now, new customers get $150 in free bets guaranteed for week one. Just place a $5 bet and you can get $150 in free bets, win or lose. For LSU and Florida State, I'll be taking LSU's money line and the under on 51.5 points scored. You can also try a same game parlay. You can jump into the action with live betting or you can go big with all the promotions like odds boost. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. The app is so simple and easy to use. They're always hooking you up with great odds. And when you win, you'll get your earnings fast. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today and sign up using promo code KLWB and place a $5 bet to get $150 in free bets guaranteed to kick off the football season right. That's promo code KLWB. You must be 21 or older and present in Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is novel drop site credit that expires in 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back. Crunch time with me, Gaz and Mesh. 35 after the hour on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez. James Mesh rocking the tuxedos here on Tuxedo Tuesday, presented by Suit Up Men's Formal Wear. Joining us now, host of the Locked On Saints podcast, Mr. Ross Jackson, taking time out of his very busy day. Ross, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? Hey, man. Absolute pleasure. Always happy to be here with you. Doing great. It's been a busy day, but a fun one, of course. Uh, you know, but it's uh, always a little bit of a tough day when it comes to covering these cuts, but. Uh, still an exciting one, nonetheless. So, give me give me your thoughts. Number one on the big news of the day, and that is Chauncey Gardner Johnson getting traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, look, I, I mean, it was a surprising move for everyone involved, but I think a big part of this is you know CJ Gardner Johnson looking for an opportunity to be able to compete at a position that's going to pay him uh, like a safety, as opposed to a position that's going to pay him like a nickel corner. Um, you know, I, I really like the comparison that Deuce Windham of, uh, of who that confessional used with kind of the Jimmy Graham situation where Jimmy Graham might've been, you know, split out wide a lot. And so, uh, you know, he wanted to be paid like a wide receiver, but his position designation was that of a tight end. It feels very familiar to that. Cause you're talking about the difference of anywhere between, you know, four to $6 million in terms of yearly annual average value uh, for a slot corner versus a safety. And I think that that makes a ton of sense in terms of what, you know, C.J. Garner-Johnson wanted versus what the New Orleans Saints were willing to provide with his role in New Orleans. We know they always have a price tag for what they believe a player is contributing. And so now he gets an opportunity to go to Philadelphia and, you know, perform as a full-time safety and hopefully be able to, to get the contract that he and his team want for him. Um, but, you know, it's a big loss for the New Orleans Saints, but they do have the talent over on the defensive side to be at least be able to fill the hole at slot cornerback. There's no replacing C.J. Garner-Johnson in terms of what he brings for you as an energy player, you know, as an intimidation player, all of those other things that you love about him. But in terms of replacing the role on the field and the on-field production, the Saints are in a good place. Who do you expect to kind of fill that role at, at slot corner? I've heard some people say maybe you slide Tyron Matthew into that spot and put somebody else in his safety spot. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think you lose a little bit too much there when you do that because you want those two guys that can be pressure players off the edge on the field at the same time. So for me, it's Bradley Roby. 
Uh, I think Bradley Roby is the immediate replacement for C.J. Garner-Johnson, and eventually probably might, might even become a guy like Alante Taylor, for instance, who the Saints invested a second-round selection in this year. And so uh, I, I think Bradley Roby is somebody that, I mean, he's played, you know, 870 career slot snaps already. He did that heavily during his first couple of years um, in the NFL. And, of course, you're in a situation as well with him to where you're getting a player that allowed only a 66% completion percentage over the course of those snaps, allowed less than a yard per slot coverage snap during those, and only 5.3 yards per target. So uh, he's played extremely well um, in that role. And so I think that that's a place where you see him, at least as the immediate uh, fill-in, that way you get him as a you know guy that can be on one side of the line while CJ, while uh, excuse me Tyron Matthews on the other side of the line, and you can threaten a little bit more uh, in terms of the way that the Saints were going to do that with 22 and 32. And so now then you'd be able to do that. But I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, guys like Alante Taylor, um, Justin Evans, um, uh, P.J. Williams all potentially getting some opportunities in that role as well. There were quite a few cuts that really shocked Matt and I. Which one? Which cuts did shock you, and which and why is it Kirk Merritt being the top one? Yeah, yeah, no, Kirk Merritt's absolutely uh, the most shocking one for right now. But but there might be an explanation behind it, right? I mean, Traquan Smith had a pretty bad injury in terms of what it looked like on um, on Friday up against the Los Angeles Chargers when he tried to make that sort of diving catch that ended up popping up into what should have been one of the craziest touchdowns we've ever seen. Uh, with Marquez Callaway catching it on the rebound. But, you know, if, if Traquan Smith's injury is as such that he needs to go to injured reserve, the Saints would rather put him on injured reserve after making the initial 53-man roster because then they get the opportunity to designate him to return at a later part in the season, just maximize his flexibility. I have the feeling you'll see the same thing with Trevor Penning, for instance. So there's a chance that the Saints do that, and then they put Traquan Smith on injured reserve now that he's made the roster, and then they potentially look to bring Kirk Merritt back after that if he makes it through waivers. So there's still opportunities there for Kirk Merritt to make the roster, although he did not make the initial 53-man roster. Outside of that, maybe the biggest shock for me was Eric Wilson, um, linebacker who has a lot of experience in the NFL. Uh, I thought that the Saints have been dealing with so many injuries on the offensive, excuse me, on the, at the linebacker spot there, particularly at starter, that you would want that experienced, um, you'd want that experienced backup and that experienced depth. I don't know that his time is over with the New Orleans Saints, though, because he could be another one that comes back when another player goes to injured reserve as well. But, you know, both of those guys were pretty shocking for me. You know, talking about the Kirk Merritt situation, do you think he clears waivers and will be able to turn, return to the Saints? Yeah, it's, it's certainly possible. I mean, you know, you never know what teams value what and all. You know, he had a really nice preseason performance, but, you know, We've seen this over and over again, right? Players get cut and people kind of assume, oh, well, they'll never make it through waivers. And then inevitably, the majority of them do. Uh, and, and some of them go to practice squads and some of them don't. And even if they end up in practice squads, you can still sign them to your active roster as long as you're adding to the active roster. So, you know, nothing is said and done until that player gets added to another active 53-man roster. So until that happens, I think you, you, know, you look forward to Kirk Merritt potentially being able to make a second homecoming uh, to the New Orleans Saints if all should go well. In that same sentiment, Ian Book is another guy that, that got released and you know could make it back to the practice squad, but at the same time could not. What do you expect out of that situation? Yeah, I, I think he'll be back at the practice squad. Uh, I think, you know, look, he, he had a really nice performance against the Los Angeles Chargers, probably the best performance of his career. But based on any time, based on the, you know, the whole holistic nature or the totality of his time, 
you know, I don't know that teams have seen enough yet to want to get him back to their, to their, you know, to add him to their 53-man roster or to their practice squad. And so I think that, you know, the Saints and, and, and Ronald Curry in particular, the quarterback coach, they have a really great relationship with Ian Book. And so if, as long as Book makes it through the waivers, he'll end up, you know, getting back to the Saints practice squad. So I think that he'll make it through there because, again, you know, you're, you're either – on waivers, or you, or, or you get signed to an active roster, and then you become available, and then you go to practice squad. So you know it could be any any or, but uh, but I do think that he ends up being a player that can make it through. Uh, I, I love the performance that he had for himself um, on Friday against the Chargers, but I don't know if it was enough just yet to attract another team to him. Chatting with Russ Jackson here on Crunch Time with Miguel Zemesh. Trevor Penning is a guy out indefinitely with with that injury. Do you see him going on the IR, and if so, when? Yeah, I mean, it would be it would make sense, right? If you if you're expecting him to miss more than four games, then put him on injured reserve and open up that roster spot. And I think that you know, based on everything that we know, you know, just a simple turf toe injury would have been between four to six weeks, with two weeks going into the going into the active uh, actual regular season. And so, you know, you would have missed two games or four games of that. Now you have a you know more significant injury than just a turf toe injury with a torn ligament. So I think it's reasonable to expect that he'll miss at least the first four games of the season. If the Saints see it that way, and if that is indeed his diagnosis, then yeah, I think you put him on injury reserve and then you maximize your, your flexibility on the roster. That way you give yourself a roster spot and then you can designate him to return if you decide to, you know, if you're able to bring him back and if he's ready to come back at any point during the season. So uh, I could see that happening. And I think if that does happen, it would very likely happen, I would say, within the next you know, 48 to 72 hours. But, you know, the things could take their time with it and wait to see how things go, depending upon when the surgery is scheduled or how long after the surgery that's already happened could be. Who are you hoping the Saints will sign from other teams that got cut? Um, there's some, you know, interesting players that are out there. There are some that the Saints already have a little bit of a relationship with, guys like Cameron Tom and uh, Joshua Glue and a couple of others that that are available out there. But I guess if I had to pick one um, or a couple, like one or maybe either side, I think you know they they activated or they had some good conversations with um, Sony Michelle over the course of the off season. He and Philip Lindsay are available. Uh, but I guess if I'm picking one on either side, I'd probably say. On the defensive side, Ty McGill's a really good one, the, the defensive tackle, and I think the Saints could still shore up that area. If not him, then maybe Jared Davis at linebacker, depending upon how they feel about their linebacker group after all of the roster shuffling is, is all said and done with. And on the offensive side, I'd love to see them add uh, O.J. Howard, um, if they're able to make that happen. I mean, get him, getting him back with Jameis Winston and allowing them to kind of bolster that tight end room a little bit more, although the tight ends have improved from what we saw last year i still think that's a room that could use a little bit of attention should they decide to go that route and uh, you know competition's never a bad thing so those are the guys that i would point out um one on each side fandle has the spread for new orleans at minus five and a half when it comes to week one at atlanta are you taking that bet um Look, I think Atlanta's defense is still pretty horrid um they didn't really do much to help themselves over the defensive side they added another big physical pass catcher, which is nice, but I have trouble believing that Marcus Mariota is really going to be able to do much there. You know, I think that the the biggest trouble is that Marcus Mariota, you know, is going to be mobile and the New Orleans Saints tend to struggle uh, with that. But yeah, I think, I think that's probably one to where I would, I would lean on the money line more than I would lean on the spread just because you never kind of know exactly. First of all, division battles are always wacky, but the mobile quarterback factor 
is uh, one that I'm you know not sure about for the New Orleans Saints. We kind of need to see that and see that they can contain those guys. And uh, so I'm not week one. I don't think I would take that spread uh, week one, but I'd certainly take the Saints to win that game. Lastly, Ross, Chase Hansen's a guy that really impressed me in the preseason. Obviously didn't make the final 53. Does somebody pick him up in your opinion? I don't know. I don't know that there's, you know, that he has gotten really much of an opportunity to show very, to show a lot. I mean, he had the nice game, don't get me wrong, against the, uh, against the Houston Texans. Uh, and then he had, uh, you know, a pretty solid performance in the joint practices against Green Bay. But for the most part, I mean, he wasn't present for the, he didn't participate in the Green Bay game and he was, you know, uh, late in the rotation against the Chargers. So I don't know that he got to maintain the momentum enough for him to be somebody that, um, you know, other teams might clamor for off the waiver wire and all. And so, and, you know, and thinking about the fact that over 800 players saturate that waiver wire and that there's, you know, 32 teams that have, you know, priority there. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that he's somebody that would necessarily get picked up. So I think there's a chance that you see him end up back in New Orleans, either on the practice squad or potentially even, you know, as one of those veteran guys that we were just talking about on the active roster. Ross Jackson, host of Locked on Saints, joining us. Ross, appreciate you each and every time, my man. Season's almost here. Hey, dude, always a pleasure. Looking forward to that season uh, creeping up. and looking forward to talking to you uh, much, much more on the way. I appreciate you, buddy. Take care and stay safe. There he goes, Ross Jackson. We'll take a timeout, wrap up our number one on the other side. You are listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Attention to all sports fans. I got to tell you about your new favorite sports book, BetUS. BetUS.com is back for their 28th year of NFL action with the industry's biggest sign-up bonus. Talking 200%. BetUS offers our members the opportunity to cash in on all your favorite leagues, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, and much more. They've also got hundreds of new casino games, including the coolest European slots, and live dealers are waiting for you at the tables. You're, here's Because here's the thing. You need a sports book with integrity. You need a sports book with longevity. And you need to know you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. Call today at 1-800-79-BET-US. That's 1-800-79-BET-US. And they will walk you through setting up an account. Nobody in the in the industry gives better bonuses than BetUS. Join now and mention the words KLWB, and you can get up to 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody can beat that. Head to BetUS.com to join today. That's BetUS, where the game begins. It's crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh, 52 after the hour. You know, James, I've always said this. It's crazy how the world works sometimes. Let me walk you through my thought. August 29th, 2001. Serena Williams wins a match at the U.S. Open. Albert Pujols hits a home run. And Vladimir Guerrero Sr., Craig Biggio, and Dante Bichette all record a hit. Okay? August 29th, 2022. Serena Williams wins a match at the U.S. Open. Albert Pujols hits a home run. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. 
Kavon Biggio, and Bo Bichette all record a hit. History is scary sometimes. It's crazy how that works, man. 21 years to the day, Serena wins a match, Pujols hits another home run, and then the three sons of baseball legends all record hits in a game. Now, you know, we're about to see something crazy. Ira Pujols is closing in on 700. Mm-hmm. He hit number 694 last night. And then Judge hit 50 last night. He hit his 50th of the season. That's insane. If Albert Pujols hits number 700 before the end of the sep- end of September, because he's re- he's retiring at the end of the year, so if he can get to 700, he'll be one of, I believe, the number seven, seven players that have hit 700 plus home runs in the history of baseball. Aaron Judge hitting 50—that's absolutely wild to think about. Poll question of the day. What are your thoughts on the Chauncey Gardner trade? Do you like it? Was it okay? Or did we need to move on? Or can you absolutely not stomach it? So far, 64% of you say you can't stomach it. 20% of you say the deal was okay. And 15% say that you just needed to move on. Got comments to read as well. John Paul says, must be a fan of the team and trust the people that brought a Super Bowl to Louisiana and many winning seasons. They know what they are doing. And then he said, this is also true. It's a picture of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and it says, should pay rent to Tom Brady for living in his head. That is true. Uh, he he does live in his head. And that's very true. Dak Cajun says the beginning of the end of the Saints window, especially with a head coach with a sub-300 winning percentage. Yeah, well, that's a valid concern. That's a valid concern. Granted, I think... Overreaction, though? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Everyone wants to talk about Dennis Allen and... Look, in Oakland, but no one ever wants to talk about all the other coaches that have failed before. Look, I don't hate Dennis Allen. I think Dennis Allen's going to be a good coach. I think he's going to do well for the Saints. Would I be surprised if he's fired after three years? No, no, I wouldn't. So it's one of those situations. Ton said, "When I read the when I read the news, I had to call my next appointment and delay. I was that pissed. I believe it. I, I believe w- it. Too. I was I was that angry too. I oh, was, I, oh, I know. You. I was furious." Still kind of am, but, you know, in that moment, I just, I was, Steve Flint said they should have paid him. He knows the defensive system and good DBs don't grow on trees. Hashtag big mistake. Hashtag medicine season. Another overreaction. And I don't think that's an overreaction at all. David Dugas says, whoever says okay is lying to themselves. (laughs) Agreed. That's a terrible deal. It's terrible. I agree that. Good to be good DBs don't grow trees. It's a lot of positions. I mean, offensive line too. But if you got an influx and you're not going to pay the guy and you got to move on, you got to move on. You've got other depth at the position, but you'll live and you'll survive. See, you you and I are just going to constantly disagree on this. There, you were you would have been much better off letting a 31 year old walk than a 24 year old. Cut Roby, pay Gardner Johnson. Roby also costs less. How much less? 
can't be that much. I don't know the contract numbers, but it can't be that much. Obviously, over over seven million dollars. I don't. I, it can't be that much. It just. It can't. There's no shot. They lowered his number. I. Regardless, guys, there there are certain guys you just pay, and Chauncey Gardner Johnson's one of them. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two going to be loaded as well to the moon Tuesdays coming at you here on the game southwest louisiana sports station and your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros top of the hour sports update after this you're clocked out we're locked in you're listening to crunch time with miguez and mesh here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station Hour number two on a Tuxedo Tuesday, presented by Suit Up here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Earlier, we sat down with Ms. Bailey Fox promoting the Olympics happening at Michael's tomorrow night. If you want to go, we've got three pairs of free tickets to give to you. 337-706-0111. First three people to call in on the hotline will get tickets to the show tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, at Michael's in Broussard. So here in hour number two, we've got some audio coming from McNeese, the Cajuns, the Saints, even the Tigers. Might not be able to get to all of it today. What we can't get to today, obviously, we will play tomorrow. But there's a lot going on. Game week for all four programs a lot of college football excitement in the air. The Cajuns will host Southeastern. The Tigers will de facto host the Florida State Seminoles. And McNeese will be on the road to play Montana State. Now, people forget Montana State made the championship game last year in the FCS. They lost to North Dakota State. But that's still a really high-level football team. Uh, that McNeese is facing in Game 1 of the Gary Golf era. If you want to get in on the action, 706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. As we get set for talking a lot about the New Orleans Saints so far today, Let's go to Dennis Allen, who spent some time talking about cut-down day. This is probably the hardest week of the year, just because I know what these guys put into getting themselves ready to be a football player uh, and play in the National Football League, whether it's here or somewhere else. You know, it's important to a lot of guys, and it's it's challenging, and there's a human element to it. But at the end of the day, we got a great game, but we have a, a really tough business, and this is part of the tough business part. Sewell recently cut by the New Orleans Saints also spent some time talking about his thoughts on training camp and the preseason. I feel pretty good uh, you know um, just continuing to learn from uh, Coach Hodges and Coach Trailer. and I feel like it's been a solid preseason you know coming into OTAs and going into transition transitioning into training camp. I felt more and more comfortable every day especially you know with real Life game reps, it definitely helps, kind of slows down everything in terms of like my reads and everything, but you know, definitely feel good about everything. Dennis Allen also spent time with the media talking about how they plan to attack this week. 
A little bit of it is trying to, uh, you know, get our bodies back a little bit. You know, there's still some things that we need to work on in terms of just, you know, ourselves. I think as we start to, you know, get closer to the end of the week, we'll, we'll turn our attention a little bit more to the opener. But, uh, but we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, cut back a little bit in terms of the physical activity, ramp up the mental activity a little bit, and, and try to get them back. Let's transition to college football now. The Cajuns will open their season against Southeastern this Saturday. Again, LSU will host Florida State in the Superdome on Sunday, and then McNeese will play Montana State on Saturday as well. A lot of questions to answer for all three of these programs, really, with new coaches, new quarterbacks, new systems, really as a whole you know, we'll start with the Cajuns. Michael Desermo has been with the Cajuns since 2014, played as a quarterback in the mid-2000s. But this is going to be his first taste of being a head coach. And he's got a new quarterback in Chandler Fields. He had to replace four starting offensive linemen. Receivers have now become the strength of the program. But you still have a pretty solid defense back there for Lamar Morgan in his first taste as defensive coordinator, Tim Leger will also handle the offensive coordinating duties. But really, you know, the biggest questions have to come from LSU. Brian Kelly, after spending 12 years in Notre Dame and being Notre Dame's winningest head coach, now comes down to Baton Rouge, brings in some Irish, you know, coaching staff, Brian Polian, most notably coming in as a special teams coordinator. Still no, don't know who the quarterback's going to be, and though in all likelihood it'll probably be Jaden Daniels. Still got a lot of receivers. You got a couple running backs to replace. But the biggest question marks for the Tigers is along the offensive line and in the secondary be the two areas of concern for LSU, which is interesting because LSU is known as DBU, and their their DBs little bit of a question mark not from a talent perspective so to say but from an experience standpoint and a LSU fit standpoint a lot of these guys are transfers from other programs so you're not quite sure how they're going to fit into the mold of all of this James I'll bring you in here you know which program are you most looking forward to watching here in in these first seasons for these coaches I'm probably looking towards Brian Kelly. I have more of an understanding of how it'll go, whereas with someone like Coach Dez, like you said, he's never been a head coach before. He's been with the program since 2014. He knows the culture, but I haven't seen what he can do as a coach himself leading the ship. So I believe they'll have a good season. They'll definitely take a step back. They still got a lot of good talent, just like LSU. But it's just a bigger question mark for me because I have nothing to go off of. Yeah, that that's that that's very, you know, spot on. You know, again, Michael Desermo, like we said, hasn't been a head coach before. This will be his first experience of being a head coach. The the question for for me with the Cajuns is going to be, you know, really from an expectation standpoint. You know, if this program doesn't go 13-1 and this season, are fans or even administration 
You know, that that's I, I don't think uh, – now, I'm not sitting here questioning the loyalty of the Cajuns administration to Michael Desermo. But, you know, going from 11-3 and three to 13-1, and one, say you go 9-4 and four this year, is that good enough? I feel like it is. You know, our, that's, our fans, that's a pretty big success in my eyes. Are fans going to be pleased with that? Are coaches and players going to be okay with that? Well, not everyone expects to win every game. And a lot of fans, as soon as you win a little bit, they expect the world and they expect you to be perfect. So even one loss, a lot of fans are going to be disappointed and be like, how would you lose this game? Y'all are the Cajuns. So you're never going to be able to please everyone. A lot of people are going to have the bar too high which is why I've tried to lower it and try to be a little more realistic. They very easily could go 8-4 and four in the regular season and potentially 9-4. and four. They could potentially go 9-3 and three and potentially go 10-3 and three with a bowl win or if they lose the bowl. Who knows? I personally think I, I'm taking a step below that. It, I haven't seen it yet. They have a lot of talent. We, we say the same thing with Dennis Allen. At least I have a better understanding of what Dennis Allen can do. Yeah, for sure. I have a better idea of what Brian Kelly can do because we've seen the success he's done at Notre Dame. Yeah, no, no question about it. You know, talking about Brian Kelly and Michael Desermo, both coaches that, you know, Des doesn't have coaching experience as a head coach, but he's been in this program, he knows the culture, and that means something. And he recruited a lot of these players, and that means something too. For Gary Goff, though, at McNeese, you know, there's a lot of unknowns. You know, they're overcoming the hurricanes in Lake Charles. They're finally getting back to a point where the facility is fully functional. You've got a lot of new players. You've got a lot of new coaches. And you're opening week one against the team that finished second in the FCS last year. The, the biggest thing with McNeese is not so much a you know culture issue as or or an on the field issue as much as it is a cultural issue. We'll get back to that in a second. Let's go to the hotline 706-0111. Jamie Green, what's up? Hey, good afternoon, Mr. Miguez. How's it going? Oh, it's going beautifully, sir. How are you? Jamie. I think we lost him. Yeah, we lost him. So going back to McNeese, you know, you got to get the mentality of this football team back to what it used to be. Back to them believing that they could be a powerhouse in the FCS. So here's head coach Gary Golf on the mentality of this football team. We've come a long way. Absolutely, we've come a long way. Um, you know, are we exactly where we want to be as a, you know, a program? I would say very close from what I've seen over the last couple of months. You know, they're working hard. They understand the, the culture we're trying to establish. They understand that they got to hold themselves accountable first before they hold somebody else accountable. So um, we, we have come a long way since the spring. So uh, very excited about that. But the only thing that's untested right now is how we're going to respond against some adversity. And Montana State's going to be that adversity come Saturday night. But um, I, I like where we're at as a program. I really do. Um, you know, I think every coach out there wants to be 
you know, bigger, faster, stronger, always sees room for improvement. But from a culture standpoint right now, I think we're in a good place. McNeese again will open their season on Saturday in Bozeman, Montana against the Bobcats of Montana State. Don't forget to go vote on our poll question, Facebook and Twitter. What are your thoughts on the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson deal? You can't stomach it. You're okay with it. Needed to move on. Uh, I can't stomach it. I'm sad. Somebody posted a picture or a set of pictures on social media. And it's the four pictures that best describe Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. James, do you remember when they played the Bears and he made fun of Tariq Cohen for being too small? Yeah, Tariq Cohen. He got in the Javon fight. Wims's face and got him to punch him and enforce a penalty and get him ejected. He Bra- had the Tom Brady. Brady. Yeah, the, the Brady thing. And then kicking the Falcons logo. Ah, uh, yes. I mean, dude, that's, how, how can you replace that? And you see, that's the thing. From an on-field perspective, from a contract perspective, I get it. Slot corners aren't valuable. It was a rookie contract. There's no dead cap. You got to move on. I totally understand all that. And to a certain extent, I agree. However, you talk about those four pictures, that swagger, that energy, that just, that dog. You can't coach that. You can't replicate that. You can't replicate that exactly, and but every you got, team needs that. You got you got Tyron Matthew. Do you do you know how often I hear Tyron Matthew audio clips from him in the game, just talking smack and talking to the opposing team? It's I'll, not it's not Chauncey, but I he does his own him, thing. I want to see him getting in Tom Brady's face. I want to see him. Kicking, he did that in the Super Bowl. I want to see him kicking Falcons logos. I want to see him, you know. Hating on the Carolina Panthers. I want to see... So, yeah, smack talk, obviously that's necessary. I want to see that dog out of Tyron Matthew. And you're going to see it. I hope so. You're going to see it. I hope so. Because I really need to. If you're not going to have Chauncey Garner-Johnson anymore, I need somebody to fill that role. Every team needs that. Also, Alante Taylor, I haven't heard smack talk from him. I haven't seen him do things that Matthew or Chauncey have done. But to me, he's got a voice and he brings a lot of energy. I remember seeing that video that he posted, like saying, what's up, Huda Neshkin, right after he got drafted, him mm-hmm. being on that terrace. He just breathes so much energy. And I was like, I love this guy. I feel like he's got the potential. And people are so fixated on losing something that they don't realize what they have and the potential in something else. Once one door closes, another one opens. One of those doors is Elante Taylor, and you got to give him a chance, and you're not giving him a chance if you had Elante. I mean, if you had, if you had Chauncey. I hope you're right. I can't get high on that kid yet. I hope you're right. I want him to work out. I just I can't make that kind of prediction on a kid that I haven't seen play a meaningful snap. You also saw Justin Evans make a, a lot of good plays during the preseason. Yep, they they weren't true. they weren't getting snaps if Chauncey stays. That's the thing. There's so much depth you don't even realize it. You lose you lose one guy. Was it a big piece? Has he been a part of the Saints since 2019 and made a name for himself? Of course, of course. You're gonna miss it. It's the same thing 
with Jenkins when he left. It's no, I didn't. I didn't miss Malcolm Jenkins when he left. I was happy he was gone. Well, you personally don't like him. It was the same. It was another thing with Sproles. Yeah, bye. That was fine. And I personally, I love Sproles. I would I would have taken Sproles over a lot of other running backs because he's so quick and elusive. I, I loved what he could do, especially especially in special teams. Jamie just messaged me. He said, I was just going to say that it was a horrible trade and hope the Saints can find success elsewhere. It's complete garbage, but the Saints will own Tampa Bay anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you, did, you get, did you get the facilities that you wanted? No. Would you have wanted a second, third, or a fourth at the minimum? Of course. But like I said, there's a thing called leverage. There's a thing called leverage when it comes to making well, a deal. Obviously, of of course. And the and the Saints are at, on the bad end of it. You didn't get as much as you wanted, but you had to make the necessary deal. I think they could have waited a little bit, but that's just me. Time is running out for you to score tickets to see the Houston Astros live in person. Register in the Game Rewards Club to win four tickets to see Houston take on the Tampa Bay Rays Saturday, October 1st. We'll even throw in a tour of the ballpark and hotel accommodations. This is the last Astros weekend getaway of the regular season, and Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston, Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a timeout, and when we return, we'll hear from Louisiana Raging Cajuns head coach Michael Desermo as they are four days out from their season opener against the Southeastern Lions. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's been a long offseason, you know, and Jake DeLome came and spoke to our team this year, and, and his message for our team was answer the questions. I mean, you know, it feels like all offseason, that's all we've done is, is answer questions that – people had about a variety of things it's time for us to answer the questions and I'm excited about that because our team you know they're a little bit of a chip on their shoulder type of operation I've kind of been like that my whole life a little bit and we embrace that we look forward to answering the questions and certainly you know people are entitled to having questions and opinions and things like that but we've got the team to go out there and answer them the way that we want to and that's what I'm excited about it's never about the coaches. It's always about the players. And for me, I just I know how hard this group has worked, and I know the sacrifices they make to have success. And I'm just excited to get to run out there and, and get to see them work. Louisiana head coach Michael Desermo looking forward to, quote, answering the questions. There's a lot of them. How many of them will they be able to answer? Can they replicate the success of years past right away, like some people think that they can? I'm intrigued to find out. I really am. Uh, I'm hopeful that they can. And I could very well see this Cajuns team being a 9-10 win team. Could just as easily be the, see them being a 7-8 or eight win team. It's one of those things. It's like LSU. I think LSU's got a lot of talent. I think LSU's got some good coaches. But right away, year one, I told people this, I could see them being a 9-win team. I could be them seeing a 6-win team. I don't know. There's a lot of questions that need to get answered, and they're going to get answered very, very quickly. Crunch time with me, guys, Mesh here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Continuing on with the statements from Louisiana's head coach, Michael Desermo. He was asked about coming up week one 
against Southeastern. You look at their team across the board, they've got good players all over the place. And shoot, you go back to 2017, we played them here. I mean, they've played FBS teams every year really, really close. And they're going to come out here and they're not, the stage won't be too big for them. They're going to come out ready to play. And that's really what you want, right? The competitive games help to get you ready for conference play. At the end of the day, the goal every year is to win your division and conference, and you have to prepare for that. And so I think playing a team like Southeastern that you know this game's going to mean a lot to their staff, to their players, and you know they're going to come out here and play really good football. So for us, it's, it's a great thing. Um, getting to play at home, home opener to an in-state team is always huge. You know, It's great for our crowd, great for our fan base, great for our players. Michael Desermo was also asked. So, James, i got to ask you for your opinion here. If you're a head coach week one against the FCS team, you know, it's one of those situations where you know that your conference foes that you're going to play down the road are watching you. They're going to watch yeah. the tape. They're going to try to see what they can figure out. So as a coach, Brian Kelly kind of talked about not announcing the starting quarterback being a tactical advantage for them. Is it a tactical advantage for you as a coach to keep the playbook closed a little bit? I think so. I don't want to give too much away. I try to do as much bread and butter stuff, give you as much vanilla while still trying to be able to win. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to I'm not trying to throw out some trick plays against Southeastern or if I'm McNeese. I'm not trying to throw out something crazy against Montana State because then I show my hand. I I don't I don't want to reveal my tricks. If I'm a like a like good magicians do, they don't reveal their secrets. So you don't want to give away the good stuff yet. You want to give away, you know, bread and butter, something that a lot of teams are going to see often something that is maybe a foundation, but the extra spicy stuff, no, you don't you don't want to show that. Power O, you want to do some play action boot out to the right, especially since Chandler's right-handed, whereas with Levi you would go out left. You want to do some basic stuff. You want to have plays in the playbook that you plan on running a bunch throughout the season. Go ahead, but stuff that you want to run for special occasions, no. Well, if you ask Michael Desermo, he can't keep the playbook closed because he's got to go win this game. Heck no, we, we got to go win this game. Um, you know, it's no. You go out there and and you you go out there and you, you you call the game and you play the game to win it. And whatever that whatever that looks like, you go out there and do it. You know, for us, like I said, I mean, I, I've got a lot of respect for this team coming in here. So do our coaches and so do our players. So, no, I mean to think that we're going to hide things to save it for later. That that that's definitely not the case. We're going to go out there. We're going to have our game plan in, and we're going to go out there and try to execute it and find a way to win. So, PA all go, first and ten, right? Oh, we're 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 running running and gunning, baby. Oh, f- first punt, it's going to be Reese Burns' fake fake punt pass. We're I'm, gonna you're gonna throw everything out there. I'm telling you, there's not a better punter in the country for fake punts than Reese Burns. Reminds me so much of Brad Wing; it's unreal. And Brad Wing would have pulled off the fake punt of the century had he just waited another yard to celebrate. Literally another step. And you'd have been fine. But no, you had to stick the arms out and drop the ball at the one-yard line and ruin it for everyone. (laughs) Damn Brad Wing. God. Anyways. So again... College football starting this Saturday, later this week. James Mesh and I will bring you our predictions on the three major matchups, McNeese, LSU, and the Cajuns. 
We'll also look at a couple cop a couple of top national matchups, including Notre Dame and Ohio State. Could that be a good game? Ooh. What what's Marcus Freeman gonna do as head coach of the Irish? Do the Buckeyes get back to the playoff conversation? CJ Stroud right now is the favorite to win the Heisman. Ryan Day, you know, the prodigal son of the Buckeyes. We'll see what happens there. That game could be interesting. And then next week on the 10th, how about Alabama and UT? Alabama and Texas. That game's going to be fun. Lord, that game's going to be fun. Speaking of football season, it's here. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to crown you the tailgating king. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin's Outdoors, and the game. Score $500 to chop specialty meats and Broussard, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, I'm going to keep going, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Raging Cajun football games, and so much more. Enter in the Game Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin's Outdoors, and the game. That's a lot of stuff. And it all could be yours in like 30 seconds time. Reminder, if you want to go to the Olympics at Michael's tomorrow night, give us a call on the hotline, 337-706-0111. We'll take a timeout. And when we return, James Mesh. Where are we sending the folks? To the moon. We'll do it next here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and those Houston Astros. Fly me to the moon. That's driven deep to left center field. Garner is going back. Looking up. See you later. See you later. See you later. Astros headed back to the World Series. Minkas and Nash are ready to launch into all things Houston Astros. Here is To the Moon on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Hey, To the Moon on a Tuxedo Tuesday. Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU and Sports Radio 790 in Houston. What's going on, my guy? What's going on, guys? Been a two-week hiatus for me. I know uh, Apollo Dez was on with you guys. Glad to be back. What's with this Tuxedo Tuesday thing, man? I, I don't I don't have a tux, man. I feel underdressed. Well, I mean, get with the program, man. No, we have a we have a great business here in Lafayette who has endorsed our show, and once a month we're going to bring the listeners Tuxedo Tuesdays. Dude, love it, man. Can, James, can he send a tuxedo my way? James and I are rocking tuxedos in the studio as we speak. I saw the picture, man. Y'all look dapper. I'm glad to be here, man. I appreciate you, brother. So let's look at it from the Houston Astros standpoint. Looking pretty good as of late, although they did struggle over the weekend against the Baltimore Orioles. What are your thoughts heading into the series with the Rangers? Yeah, there's so much going on with the Astros right now. Um, Obviously, Justin Verlander going on the 15-day IL retro, uh, retroactive back to yesterday. They... um, Man, I mean, there's just so much going on. Uh, Brandon Belak was recalled. Um, J.J. Matichevic was called up. Um, you got Hunter Brown on the way. Um, Jeanier Diaz is on the way. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on. And then, you know, right here in front of our eyes is another series. It's the two-game set against the Rangers. Yeah, they, they, uh, they sweep the Twins, and then they the bats go cold against the Orioles, but they were able to manufacture a win on Sunday, so... 
you know, I think the the big key is just to stay healthy. There's so many different moving parts right now with guys on the injured list. Just go up to Arlington, do what you do against the Rangers, which is they usually handle them pretty well. Just get a couple of wins and get out of there healthy. So, you know, you're talking about that. You talked about JV going on the IL. Hunter Brown's going to come up to kind of fill his role. Talk about him. Do you think he's ready for the big time, if you will, uh, things like that? So with Hunter Brown, I mean, everything that we've seen from Hunter Brown this season at AAA is he's just been dominating. Um, I mean, he's got an upper 98, 99-mile-an-hour fastball. He's got a disgusting slider. Um, He's got a sub-3 ERA. Um, I think he's ready. I think he's been ready. But there's been no place for him to come up to the big league level. And so now you're going to bring him up with the September call-up, which he's already been added to the taxi squad today. So that gets him – you know, access to the big league coaches and pitching staff and all of that. And then he will make his, you know, he will come up to the big leagues on Thursday, which is September 1st. So, yeah, I think he's ready. Now what we have to really look at is what's the role that Hunter Brown is going to play. You want him to get experience. You want him to pitch, you know, and get, get you know, get the big league, um, you know, get pitch in front of a big crowd and so forth and so on. Um, you know, his last two starts at AAA, uh, Sp- uh, Sugarland Space Cowboys, he was actually supposed to start, but they moved him um, to come out of the bullpen to get him ready for that role. So even if Justin Verlander didn't go down, I still think they were going to call him up and have him out of the out of the bullpen. So we'll see what, uh, what Dusty Baker has in store for Hunter Brown. But to answer your question, yes, he's ready. Looking at another September call-up, Yanir Diaz getting called up as well this week. Talk about what he's going to do for the Astros to kind of fit into this lineup. Well, you know, with with uh, with Diaz coming up, he he adds a third catcher. You can put him at first base, and the kid flat out rakes. He's got twenty five bombs. Um, you know, it, between Double A and Triple A this season, you know he's he's got a over nine hundred OPS since he he was traded to uh, the Astros, which they got him in the Phil Maton trade, which no one even really knew who Diaz was. And he's just blossomed with the Astros in the, at the minor league level. So what I think it does is with Jordan still kind of nursing his both hands now, it's not just the right hand, it's also the left hand. I think with Diaz, you can, um, you can have him as a late-inning defensive catcher if you need to have a pinch hit for Maldonado, and that gives you Christian Vasquez as your uh, DH with, if Jordan's going to get extra days off to rest that hand. So there's so many different things that, that uh, bringing Diaz is up is going to do. But at the end of the day, the kid hits, the kid breaks, he hits bombs. Now it's time to see if he can do it at the big league level. Alex Bregman and Trey Mancini are, are two guys that have kind of been delivering as of late, especially Bregman ever since his son was born. Talk about their progression over the last month or so. Yeah, with Bregman, you know, we <laughs> – not, you know – like like Apollo Dez and I and, and the guys in the group, like we knew this was all going to turn around for Bregman. Um, we knew that since he wasn't striking out a lot, he was continuing to lead the Astros in walks. He was like first, second, or third at one point in all of major leagues with walks. Um, he just couldn't find hits. And so he talked about it, um, you know, at, at length in a couple of interviews and a couple of articles where he knew something mechanically was wrong and it wasn't anything else besides that. So he figures it out. And then he's turned it around. Now you're starting to see the power go back up. Now you're starting to see some more doubles. Um, and it's just been a, 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 a beautiful thing to see. And with Trey, Trey Mancini, you know, since coming over, yeah, he's hit, hit a couple more bombs. Um, and, you know, he's had some big hits here and there. But 
One thing I want to see from Trey Mancini going forward is him to cut down on the strikeouts. I think the other night he was like one for four with a bomb, but he also had the hat trick and struck out three times. So um, have a little bit of a better of approach, but you know, getting him is still huge, especially down the stretch. And he's a guy that you always can root for. Everything he's been in, been through in life with cancer and, and I mean, just things that are bigger than baseball, man. Just having him in that clubhouse is, is an added bonus and, and, and him – Hitting well, you know, makes it all worth getting him in the trade deadline. Now the Astros, Brian, they're currently at eighty-two and forty-seven at the end of August. Do you think they hit triple digits? Yeah, I think they get to uh, one hundred and one. Oh, close. Yeah, I think they get to one hundred and one still. I know they're. I know they got a lot of. You know, they're beat up right now, uh, but this team is built for October. The ALCS or the American League runs through Houston. I think. Um, and with, I mean, with the pitching staff and the way that they performed, it, like it, it gives them that opportunity to get to 100 wins. I think they get to 101. Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU and Sports Radio 790 in Houston joining us here for To the Moon Tuesdays. Brian, the depth at starting pitcher has has been a strong suit for the Astros, especially as you head down the backstretch into the postseason. However, now that Justin Verlander's on the shelf for the next couple weeks. Does the mindset of putting a starter in the bullpen as a long reliever maybe change a little bit now? Well, I think that was that was actually going to be what was going to happen uh, before Justin Verlander got hurt the other night. Um, they had switched back to a five-man rotation. Verlander was pitching on four days rest. So you were going to see guys like Christian Javier go to the bullpen. And, and, and with uh, Lance McCullers coming back, so I think that was already the idea. So now with Justin Verlander, now you're going to have a five-man rotation. You're going to have to see guys like Luis Garcia get stretched out. Uh, Christian Javier is probably going to go back as a starter and get him stretched out. So, you know, this this team over the last, you know, four, five, six years, it's always, I know it sounds cliche, next man up mentality, but they've, they've battled through injuries before. Some guys have had down nights in the playoffs, and the next man up picks him up and, and continues to roll on. So, yeah, I just think with the five-man rotation of Verlander going on, you're just going to have to see guys stretch out and, and give you quality six, seven-inning starts. So um, whether that's Garcia or Keedy or, or uh, Javier, it's going to have to happen. Jose Altuve's plus 460 to hit a, hit a bomb tonight. You in on that? Plus 460, man. Playing in, Ar- in Arlington? Yeah, I'd take that. I think I would take that. I'm a gambling man. Right. I can't confirm nor deny, but yeah, I, I would – throw some money down on that you guys said the casino after this or what hell man it's legal in louisiana we just do it off handle yeah dude don't 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 get me started on sports betting that's not legal in texas you know i just don't don't get me started wait it's really not legal in texas no hell no it's not and we've been we've been begging for it man come on that makes no sense anyways well well i i see where i think it's it's a much deeper conversation that we have time for but just on the surface, it's you know if what Lake Charles, Louisiana, where where do the majority of gamblers come to go to the casino? Where are they coming from? They're coming from Texas. Exactly. So what happens if if gambling becomes legal in Texas? Oh, of course. Yeah, you know I'm sure people will still go to get out of the state, but yeah, if you have it in Houston, I mean, come on, you're going to drive what 30 minutes to get to a casino rather than two hours. So that's probably part of it. I don't know. I've been waiting on it though. I'd love to be able to. To uh, you know, legally gamble on some sports here in the city, right? No, no, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. What are you expecting out of this ser- this two game set in Arlington? Um, you know, I I, I want to see Framber's on the mound tonight. 
Um, I don't even know if they put out a starter for tomorrow. Last I looked, it was it was empty. They still don't know who it was going to start, but I'm uh, sure it'll be like Christian Javier. I think I think um, I read it was going to be Javier. Yeah. It is Javier. It, it is Javier. Okay, so they did do it over the last hour or so. Um, I want to see Framber Valdez not walk anybody. I could sit here and say, yeah, they'll take two from Arlington, but I'm not even going to go that far. I just want to see a quality. I want to see Framber's continuing uh, to have another quality start. He broke Mike Scott's record. Uh, last outing by having another quality start. I want to see another one from him, but I want to see no walks. That's the goal for this. For me, that's the goal for uh, this little two-game set against the Rangers. Lastly, give me your thoughts on the new MLB schedule. You know, every team playing each other at least once, division games going from 19 to 13, you know, things like that. I, I love it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer your question from like a pure fan of baseball perspective. I love it because it gives fans opportunities to see other teams come to your city. Um, like the Chicago Cubs are going to come to Houston. They haven't been to Houston in, I don't even remember. And they were an NL Central rival of the Astros for so many years here in the city. So I think it gives the fan base an opportunity to see bigger market teams. Like, you know, how often do the Yankees come to town? How often do, uh, I mean, well, we've seen it more since, you know, since the Astros went into the American League. But if, a National League team, like let's take like like take uh, who's a down team right now, like the the Marlins. Like if you're living in Miami and you're out there vacationing, and the Yankees are coming into town, I'm sure you're going to buy some tickets to go watch the Yankees and Marlins play. I just think from a pure fan perspective, it's it's awesome. I love it, um, and, and it's and it's a, it's the right move. They should have been doing this a couple of years ago, in my opinion. Yeah, no no doubt about it. It's the right thing because, like you said, you know more fans get to go see their team. Because you, you mentioned the Cubs. The Cubs are a national brand. There's, right, teams, there's right. teams all over the country that are fans of the Chicago Cubs. Right, and, and I think at the end of the day, man, are we trying to grow this game? Like, the, the people talk about it, and you got you got people like Rob Manfred that wants to do everything but grow the game. And then, you know, you've, you've got this move, which I think is going to help grow the game more. Young kids that have, you know, like um, like let's say a young player right now, his favorite his favorite player is Bryce Harper, and Bryce Harper never comes to play the Astros. Well, now you have the opportunity. Right now you get now now little Johnny or little Billy get to go to the park with their parents, and he gets to see Bryce Harper play. So I think it's good for for everybody. And and last one, I'll I'll ask you another question that kind of got brought up with your answer. You know, you, you talked about how you need to grow the game of baseball. Don't you find it kind of crazy that it went from from baseball being America's pastime? to needing to grow the game yeah that's dude it man this is a topic that i could i could if we ever got on a podcast together guys like i could go off on this topic because it's it's america's pastime at one point and now you have and i and i blame it all on rob manfred we thought bud selig was bad well at least bud selig was a baseball guy rob manfred doesn't give a damn about baseball like he so many tweaks and like trying to um, um, push the mound back like six more inches or a foot or whatever it is. You know, automated strike zones. Like, I mean, you can make a case to have that robo umps. You're you're, mess, you're tweaking the baseballs. You got a dead ball. You got a, a ball that flies out of the yard. There's just so many different things that this dude has tried to implement into a game that really didn't even need to be messed with. And now we're where we're at. We're we're sitting here discussing how we have to grow the game. I mean, it, it sucks, but it, it, there are things that have been done to help grow the game. It's just. Don't don't. It's Rob Manfred, man. Like I just, I can't wait till he gets out as commissioner. He he sucks. <laughs> Brian Lalima of Apollo H O U and Sports Radio seven ninety joining us. 
Brian, appreciate the time. Good luck on the Sean Salisbury show this week. And, uh, man, we'll hopefully we'll do it again next week, my man. Hey, boys, I enjoy it every Tuesday, man. Look forward to next week. Thanks. Tune in next week for another edition of To The Moon here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Time to tell you about Suit Up. First of all, I want to thank them for the opportunity to rock a tuxedo on Tuxedo Tuesday. James and I appreciate it. Uh, Suit Up offers fashion tuxedos, suits for all occasions, wedding party specials, sports coats, southern marsh, socks, gifts for dad, dress shoes, you name it, they have it. Three locations to serve you, one on Ambassador Caffrey, one in New Iberia, and one now open across from the Prion Lake Mall in Lake Charles. Homecoming's coming up for a lot of local high schools. Get your homecoming stuff done to suit up. They're quick. They're easy. They're going to help you get it done the best way possible. They're going to measure you to make sure everything fits exactly how it should. Professional service, great ownership. You got to check out Suit Up. Again, Ambassador Caffrey, New Iberia, and Lake Charles. And when you do, tell them that Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh sent you. You'll be glad you did. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh back here on the game. So, a couple minutes left in today's show. First of all, I want to thank our, our guest today, Brian Lima of Apollo HOU, Mr. Ross Jackson, and of course, Miss Bailey Fox for joining us as we wrap up the poll question. What is your reaction to the Chauncey Gardner Johnson trade? So far, 64.4% say they can't stomach it. 178 said the deal was okay. 178 said that they needed to move on. Couple comment, couple new comments. Who dat forever says, "Hate to lose them, and I wish they got more in return." But you don't pay nickel corners top dollar. It's a good way to get yourself fired. He wanted a contract that started at twelve million a year. His contract would have reset the nickel market by fifteen to twenty million. An absolute no brainer to let him walk. Okay, I, I don't know that I, I, I agree, but. Darren says, the writing been on the wall. Y'all mad on the attitude he brung, but does that fit into the game plan? Do y'all remember Von Bell? Uh, Okay. Uh, I was going to say, they got you good. Whatever. And then Demetrius says, Malcolm Jenkins 2.0. I disagree with that wholeheartedly wholeheartedly i disagree with that uh but darren you got me you got me attitude doesn't fit into the game plan however i still think it's necessary for a team to win i think that provides a certain level of energy and emotion that is necessary to a championship formula that's going to do it for today's edition of crunch time with miguez and mesh for james mesh i'm matt miguez be safe be well hug your mom and them don't forget to stay classy acadiana This is the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Robert Ford and Steve Sparks coming up at 630.